Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. humans welcome back to the schmo zone podcast this is episode number 67 today's episode is brought to you by fusion cbd products we'll be sipping on their fusion cbd sports water i love taking their edelberry gummies their instant freeze is great for those aching pains from the joints they have their sleep and recovery pills basically everything for your cbd needs. Check them out at FusionCBDProducts.com. Use the promo code SHMO and get 20% off. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The SHMO. My co-host is... Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And today's guest is a legend, the one and only Jacob Stitch Duran, the OG cut man in all of the fight game. Hey, I've been around the block a few times, but this is the first time I just found out your name is David. <laughs> right? It's always been I Joe Schmo, right? The famous Joe Schmo. So <laughs> do I call you David or do I call you Joe Schmo? What, whatever rolls Let's off the roll, tongue. Schmo it is. And, uh, you know, I messed up, too, on the intro because you're also a movie star. I forgot to mention well, movie yeah, star. Mr. Hollywood. No, you, if you ask my wife, Charlotte, <laughs> hey, listen, I've been blessed to be in all these movies, but I can't act. I can't act and I can't sing. Uh, that I know, but I can play myself. But you do a great job playing you. yourself. Yeah, it's fun. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you've been in the sport, I'd say combat sports, for decades, man. And, I mean, where should we start? We should start with... Uh, the fights this weekend, Anderson Silva. Okay, we could start with Anderson Silva. You know that yeah. guy. Yes, yes, of course. I had many, many uh, fights together with Anderson Silva. He called me Poppy, right? And I got stories with just about anybody, and I guess probably stories is what you guys want to hear, right? Well, there was a time when, uh, I mean, I always worked Anderson's hand, uh, fights. I always wrapped his hands, and and um, uh, when he fought Chael Sonnen, if you remember, this was in Oakland, California. Chael was just whooping on him big time. And the only time I go into a fight is when a fighter is bruised or, or, or he's cut. Then I'll come in, but uh, I, he's taking, taking some serious shots, and Ed Soros, his manager, is sitting next to me, and I told Ed, I'm going in. So I went in every round and kept ice on him, and you know he ended up miraculously tapping him out in the last round and and all that. But what made this story great is I think a couple of shows later we were in Boston, and uh, I'm just taking a cab from the airport and um, getting off the cab, and Anderson's outside with 15, 20 fans, and he sees me getting out of the cab, and he says he tells the fans, "Hold on," comes up to me and gives me a hug, and the only thing he said was, "Thank you," but. I knew and he knew exactly what that meant because I went in there and I took care of him when uh, he was in his, in his deepest uh, straits of, of danger, you know, because Chael was just beating on him. So got a lot of great stories. What would you make of his performance this past weekend? We got an MMA fighter outboxing a boxer. Well, he's always been a good boxer. You know, the thing with Anderson, and I saw some of the clips, and, and he did exactly what he did during the fights, that he would throw people off just by 
the Tyson Fury type of fight, you know, his own style. But I, I didn't, I wasn't surprised because uh, Chavez Jr. discipline, he just doesn't have any discipline. You know, coming in, I think two pounds over, whatever the weight is, but it cost him like $100,000. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I wasn't surprised. Uh, and Anderson's tough to beat. Is it false confidence moving forward if he continues boxing and tougher competition? Or do you think that Anderson Silva boxing is could become a regular thing? No, just like Vitor Belfort. You know, he's going to be fighting Oscar De La Hoya. That's the generation where these guys are at right now. They deserve these type of fights so that they get these type of paydays. But, yeah, to go into an actual boxing, uh, it's two different levels. And I would just tell them, stick with the, uh, the socialites, the YouTubers. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. I'm sure we will. And what about Tyron Woodley? He's about to box Jake Paul. I see Tyron you know, Tyron Woodley's an athlete. Number one, he's been in the game. He's used to getting punched and he's used to fighting and punching guys. I see that as a pick'em fight and, and give Jake Paul a lot of credit because uh, I worked with of course I worked with KSI when he fought Logan Paul and worked with uh, Gibb when he fought uh uh, Jake Paul and all that, but Jake Paul's an athlete. They're they're wrestlers in the background, and when I had my school of kickboxing, guys that were wrestling that would come in to kickbox were good fighters, and uh, so yeah, yeah, that's that's a pick and fight. So we'll get back into the YouTubers, but let's go way back. Let's go back a couple decades ago. Let's talk about you becoming a cut man. Yeah, walk us through that. Well, you know, it started way way back, and go let's go way back. I don't think you guys were even born, and you probably never heard my story. But uh, 1972, I joined the military. I was in the Air Force, and uh, this was during the Bruce Lee eras. And I always told myself if I went to the Orient, then I would want to study the martial arts. Um, I was anticipating going to Korea, but they sent me to a place called Thailand, and I didn't even know what Thailand was. I, I grew up as a farm worker in the San Joaquin Valley of California, and, and uh, you know, pretty naive. Uh, but I got to Thailand, and I had friends that were stationed there, and they took me downtown to, to Banchan to see some uh, Muay Thai. I didn't even know what Muay Thai was, and guy throws a kick, gets a guy here, knocks him out, and I said, I'm definitely going to start. Well, on the base, they had uh, Taekwondo um, for the GIs, for the military guys. Well, Taekwondo, Thailand, to me, sounds the same. I didn't know one was Korean. I didn't know one was Thai. But we trained with the Thais for about, or Koreans for about three months. And then uh, Subju An, they left. And then the Thais took over the program for the GIs. So uh, literally that whole year I ate, slept, and did everything uh, martial arts and got back to the States and uh, lived in Oakland. Uh, got into boxing to improve my hands and started working with amateur boxers. And, and then moved out to, I guess you call them the suburbs, Fairfield, California. And there I opened up my own school of kickboxing with the credit card. Show you how crazy I was, right? So the, the school of kickboxing was ASK, the American School of Kickboxing. So I was a trainer. I was a trainer. I promoted fights. I managed the fighters. But I also was a cut man. And the cut man kind of floated to the top. So I had a corporate America job with R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company. I was with them for 23 years, and I knew they were downsizing. So I put in for a request to move to Las Vegas. And at that time, it was only boxing. Well, I get a notice, and I think it's like two weeks. Uh, you know, uh, we transferred the school to a student, sold my house, put my family in the U-Haul, and we drove like nine hours to Las Vegas to follow my dreams. And, you know, my wife and family, they all supported me 150%. And at that time, it was only boxing. And so I started working, and um, guys had already known me. And uh, But then the UFC came around. Uh, I knew Dana White in the gyms, and uh, I was working a K-1 at the Bellagio with Scott Coker was promoting it, and I think Kimo was fighting Bob Sapp. 
and saw Dana in the audience, and uh, he says, hey, man, give me a call tomorrow. Uh, give me a card. Give me a call. So he called me, actually, and uh, told me that they had just bought the UFC, and I wanted to know if I was interested in being a cut man. At that time, it was only Leon Tabs, the original cut man from UFC number one. Uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity for me, you know, but the UFC originally, I quit watching it because it was just too brutal, no rules, and being a martial artist, you know, we try to follow some kind of script you know, to go with decency, uh, but they told me that they had implemented like 33, 34 different rules. So that kind of brought me on, but uh, yeah, working with them just kind of changed my whole career, and here I am now talking to you guys, and uh, been blessed to have done so many, many things, uh, just making the move to Las Vegas. And I know you also did the World Series of Fighting because our guest last week was Jake Shields. Yes. Yeah, I did, I did them all, and I continue to do them all, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I did them all. Jake Shields, great guy. <laughs> you know, all these guys. I've worked with every one of them, and just it's, it's um, unbelievable just the stories that I have. So did you always know that it would become your career? Or no, no. did it just kind of happen by – I, no, I really didn't expect it to come to this level by any means. I mean, I came here with a dream, uh, but I remember a legendary boxer from England, Cornelius Boza Edwards. Uh, we went to England to work some fights, and, and I told him I want to move to Las Vegas. And he told me, look, let me give you some advice. Three things that you need. You need a job, a place to stay, and a car. And that's something I always kept in my mind uh, until things started progressing and, and to the point where now I could do this full time. So I always kept a job. And I always tell young guys that, want to come into town is those three things are necessary. What would you say are the biggest uh, differences in those final moments before, you know, a boxer enters the ring or a fighter enters the cage? What's the nuanced differences you notice between MMA fighters and boxers? It's pretty much the same. You know, as, as Frank Mir said, uh, when I see Stitch, Stitch walking into the dressing room, my stomach just drops because I know it's time to fight. And that's when I go and I wrap their hands. And then that's, that's when there's no turning back. I've had fighters that have cried. I had fighters that, you know, just we just kind of shoot the shit as we... I try to relax them, uh, but I've had fighters cry, and I just stop and, you know, wait because I understand. You know, they're going into battle, and, you know, like Eddie Mustafa Muhammad said, the ultimate goal of a fighter is to render their opponent unconscious. So it's a hurt business. So I understand. So I'll, you know, that this person, he was a high-profile name. I let him finish crying and give him a hug and say, hey, man, I'm here to take care of you, and he went out there and won. You know, so uh, th those are the special moments that I have. I, I get to see that, you know, you guys as journalists don't, you know, other people. But uh, it's the heart and soul that I get to see of these guys. And, you know, I, I say now to this point, uh, it's not about the world title fights anymore. I've done hundreds and hundreds of them. It's about the characters that I'm working with. And, uh, you know, if, if you were to call me and if you were a jerk, I would say, man, I'm sorry. I, I got something already booked. But it's the characters that I'm working with that really kind of make my job so special now speaking of things and characters that make your job very special is there a particular moment or a couple moments that vividly stick out in your mind of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course I'll, I'll give you one for mma and i'll give you one for boxing okay so uh in mma chuck Liddell was fighting vandalay silva all right big 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 fight and as a matter of fact, uh, it turned out to be one of my top three fights ever because these guys were cracking each other where you could just hear the punches, bam, bam. And, but a week before, I had saw Vandalay and, and, you know, Vandalay and Shogun and, 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 and Ninja, they would all, they, when we were in Japan for Pride, they gave me the nickname Santana. So we had a good relationship. So I told uh, Vandalay as, as 
psychology is, hey, I'm going to give you good karma. It's my birthday that day. I want to wish you the best, you know. It just happens that I'm working with Chuck Liddell, and they're in a brutal, brutal fight. And uh, after the fight, Chuck's cut. I clean him up. Then I go up to uh, where Vandalay is, and Leon Tabs is keeping ice on him because he looks all swollen like the elephant man. So I said, you know, Vandalay, how you feel? I said, no, no, Stitch, Stitch, I'm okay. Man, right after that, he says, Stitch, happy birthday, right in the middle of the ring. You know, of all things, you know, that he could have come up with, he remembered my birthday. And and to me, that was such a special uh, moment, you know. So, uh, and then, you know, Vladimir Klitschko in boxing. And uh, if you remember the fight with him and Anthony Joshua, 90,000 people, uh, you know, Wembley Stadium and all that. I, I didn't see Vladimir till Friday at the weigh-ins, but he's always known him and Vitelli because I worked with him for like 12 years, that if I say something, there's a lot of truth to it. So they have a lot of respect for me, and I'm talking to them, and I'm trying to get their feelings, how they're doing and all that. And finally, I put my hand on, on Vladimir, and I said, look, man, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you like you're my son, and I leave. And because I know that when these guys are fighting and you were talking about what goes on, the night before the fight, these guys can't sleep. Their adrenaline is, you know, they have to control it, but they're just the jitters and all that. Um, so I left them with that. And here I am right before Michael Buffer does the announcements and all this, the world is watching and I'm putting the final Vaseline on Vladimir and he's, you know, less than 12 inches away from me. And he says, between him and I, he says, you could call me son. And I thought, wow, man, you know, this guy knew I had gotten to him. And uh, it went out there in one of the greatest performances he ever did, even though he lost. Uh, but the people in, in the U.K. At, at the Wembley Stadium, it was like a rocking movie, I told them. They were saying, Cleats, go, Cleats, go, Cleats, go. And I was, Joshua, Joshua. So both of them got the respect that, and like Vladimir says, of all the fights I've done, I never got the respect like the one I did there. So, yeah, these are special moments I have with these guys. Yeah, we've never covered a fight in the UK. I know it's on our bucket list, but when a Tyson Fury comes here and and you can see yeah. that those fans travel, the McGregors from Ireland, the, those fans type of travel, what is that atmosphere like and how do you compare that to here and why haven't we caught up to that in America? Now, you know, the, the British fans are one of a kind. I always say 90,000 British fans is like 150,000 fans from somewhere else. Uh, they, they love the game and they're all in unity together and... Uh, yeah, it's it's nothing like it. You know, the adrenaline and I know when Vladimir and, and and Joshua both came out, the screaming and yelling was so loud they would just turn into a buzz. And I'm there and I'm thinking, wow, you know, what an experience. One thing I want to get to because we talked about Klitschko, obviously Tyson Ferry fought him. Joshua has been linked to Tyson Ferry. The last time Helen and I saw you and interviewed you or the Schmo interviewed you was uh, at the top ring gym with Tyson Ferry. What do you make of this whole situation? We're heading into next month, Deontay Wilder's fighting Fury for the trilogy fight. And obviously the narrative on Wilder's camp is, you know, something was in the gloves, the egg weights, or, and what, and when you hear this stuff and you're a cut man, I mean, what's going through your mind? This this got to be impossible, right? Because you have the uh, Nevada yeah. Athletic Commission watching over and everything like that. Like, what do you make of these accusations? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. My wife and I talked about it in... And, and she knows the game as well as I do. It, it's stupid, stupid, stupid. It, one thing I don't appreciate is ignorance. And uh, But, you know, after that fight, I did plenty of interviews trying to uh, let them know the reality of what goes on. But it, it, it's impossible no more. Once you put the gloves on and you, you tape it, there's no way that you're going to be able to slide that glove, that hand out of the glove. Number one, why would you want to do that? 
you know, when, when you put the gloves on, there's two protective gloves, your hands from breaking. So, you know, it's, it, it was dumb people coming up with stupid ideas. And if that's what uh, Deontay Wilder uh, uh, considers as, as fact, uh, then he has a lot coming to him because, you know, his manager was, they come into the dressing room. When it's time to wrap, you know, we'll, we'll say, okay, we're going to wrap at 8 o'clock. Well, 8 o'clock, the manager or somebody from the other team comes and they inspect. The inspector, the commissioners are there. Uh, a lot of times the officials from the WBA, WBC, the organization are there, and they're all watching the hand wrap, you know, and also when you put the gloves on. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was insane. And, you know, it's funny that at this point we're still discussing the idioticies that uh, the, the, the wannabes uh, are bringing up. Well, I just figured because the press conference last week, you know, yeah, he put his headphones it. on and he didn't say anything. Um, did, did you have something you wanted to chime no, in on that? just to talk about the fact that he's not saying anything in the press conference and seems to not want to do many interviews leading up to this trilogy. Like, what do you make of where you <laughs> think he's at mentally? Uh, well, I think, you know, he's trying to overthink the program probably more than he should in the marketing aspect. What he's doing is not it's not helping him at all uh but you know and it's funny you bring this up helen because after the fight as i'm walking leaving the ring uh the guys from the bbc stopped me and they interviewed me and they thought what i thought about the stoppage and i said you know to me the type of punches that deontay wilder was taking were what i consider punches that will give you long-term damage not the cuts or knockout right now but the long-term damage where 10 years from now uh you'll be stepping over your uh your words Right, so those are the type of shots that I saw Deontay Wilder taking. They, the kind Chuck Liddell was very good at giving you those type of shots that they would go in and they would just penetrate, and that's what he was getting. A lot of the shots weren't sliding off; they were direct hits. It's like getting hit with a baseball bat. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I think Mark Breland stopping the fight, you know, probably uh, helped him out in the long run. Well, do you think Deontay should have taken this trilogy? Uh, yeah, you know, he's going to, like say, he's going to go out on his shield. I think, you know, for me, I'm glad. I, I want to see the trilogy, you know, on, on a fan basis. You're talking about on the safety uh, part of it. Um, yeah, I, I think he's okay, you know. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that fight. I think you almost have to. Yeah. You know, he's the knockout artist, yeah, yeah. one of yeah. the most powerful punches ever. I think if you're Deontay Walter, you have no choice to do this. What are you going to do, step aside and take an X amount of money? Fury even said you don't want to pay him two paydays. The yeah. only payday he wanted to give him is by showing up in the ring, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know, there's it, it, the thing about it, the, the sight game is so important in this game, but he's not fooling anybody. So. And now he has a new trainer, Malik Scott. Yeah, Malik Scott, and I guess from what I understand, Don House is, is going to be the cut man or, mm -hmm. or help a, a train with him. I, I don't know if you could adjust and change anybody's style uh, in this short period of time. Uh, I think, you know, once the fight begins, then fighters normally go back into their own style. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's going to be a big imp improvement. Yeah, that one punch, but if Fury makes him fight, you know, backing up and off the back foot, it'll be... You know, We'll see what happens. Yeah, and that one punch is, is a heavy, heavy punch. I worked with Sergey Lahovich uh, that uh, fought him, and uh, he sent him to the hospital. You know, so he could punch, no doubt about it, and he always has that opportunity. Style-wise, uh, he doesn't have the advantage. Uh, and, uh, you know, the style that Tyson Fury has opposed to anybody is like nothing. It's, it's like water. 
It's just very, very fluid. And I told him when I, when I first met Tyson Fury, uh, when I worked with him in the last fight, I said, you know, when you fought Vladimir Klitschko, I think we were all a little overconfident uh, on Vladimir just being so disciplined and, you know, and then you, we maybe didn't take it as serious. But when I saw you fight Deontay Wilder after that fight, I saw your style of fighting, and I was totally impressed. Uh, the guy is very, very good at what he does. He moves around like a welterweight middleweight uh, when he should be moving around like a like a heavyweight. Is he the best you've seen at that, at the heavyweight division? Yeah, you can't duplicate that. You know, two guys you can't duplicate is Floyd Mayweather and Tyson Fury. You just can't, you know, because that is him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't. He's just like water. Who would you say has got the strongest punch you've seen between MMA and boxing, or you can't compare the two? Because you brought up Chuck Liddell. Obviously, we're talking Deontay Wilder that you've seen with your own two eyes. Who's it's tough to say because, you know, everything's positioned in angles, you know, and, and it's tough to say. But, yeah, Chuck like that would definitely hurt. It hurts me just watching him throw punches, right? Uh, so I, it's tough to say. Well, didn't Chuck even recently say – did he tell you or the schmo that he wanted to box someone or – well, I know he just refereed that celebrity boxing oh, with like Aaron, Aaron Carter and yeah. yeah, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. I, I don't think it was serious, but he talked about throwing his name in the hat. But they, we'll get to them too, the Paul brothers, because everyone talks about them. He said, "I'll fight this Jay kid," but everybody is, and everybody. that's exactly what they want. The Paul brothers are wanting these guys to call them out. And Floyd just fought Logan. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. How did we not <laughs> run into you there? We were I there know, too. we ran into like everybody. I, I felt you. like on that fight, because we just brought it up too, I felt like Floyd tried harder for longer periods of that fight than he did against McGregor. But obviously this is four years later, and four years, what, 44, mid-40s, like age is definitely caught up to Floyd Mayweather. That was evident. But I feel like his effort, his output, was stronger for the fight against Logan than it was for McGregor. Yeah, it was. And that weight difference was really the big, it, it was the biggest factor there. And like I say, Logan Paul is an athlete, you know. So uh, once he realized that he could take his shots, uh, he just stayed busy, you know. So, God, it, you know, even though he won, you know, and the, the, the Paul brothers are both winning. Yeah, I mean they didn't get knocked out. He, I mean he, he didn't fall down. It was a, I, I, I don't know if you call it. It was a win for Floyd with that, with that, with that uh, bank account now. Oh, you know yeah. that paycheck. Well, that's yeah. A good one. yeah, you know that's the thing about this. This is a new generation of of combat sports. It's a different realm that we're going through, and that's these YouTubers and these uh, social TikTokers. people. Yeah, 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 TikTokers and and all that. But uh, yeah. But if so. anything, these professional boxers should learn what these guys are doing to promote their fights. Uh, like, they are promoting their fights. A hundred percent. That's what I tell all these young guys is, look, you have to sell yourself. Every fan that you get on your side is a dollar in your pocket. I mean, I market myself. I've created a brand, right? And uh, so I understand the importance of taking advantage of these opportunities. And, and, and guys have to be taught how to make money outside of just getting in the ring. Make money when you're in the ring putting sponsors on and and uh, just kind of selling yourself and let's let's talk about that stitch duran is a brand talk us through the first time you got the nickname stitch and when you realized the name stitch duran became a brand yeah well you know the uh good question man the the name stitch came when i used to work with dennis alexio dennis alexio was a light heavyweight heavyweight cruiserweight kickboxing champ 
uh, in, in kickboxing. At that time, was the best athlete I ever met in my life. If you remember the movie uh, uh, Kickboxer, he was the brother in the wheelchair. So he's an actual fighter. Uh, well, his sparring partner, Dave Rooney, uh, Dennis fought in Vallejo, California. I had a school of kickboxing in Fairfield. And Dave Rooney was on the undercard. And Dave had, I was just learning to be a cut man. And uh, Dave had got a small cut. Now I understand cuts. But I used to see cut men that would get tape and cut them in little strips and bit butterfly. So that's what I did to Dave Rooney. And Dave Rooney says, oh, wow, you save me some stitches. I'm going to call you Stitch. And uh, I kept that name. And Dave Rooney, from last I heard, was a fisherman in Alaska. And I don't think he really realizes how much he changed my life. And uh, But going into that area, I remember I was in Richmond, California. Marvis Frazier fought Bonecrusher Smith. And one of the earlier fights, the guy did a good job on cuts, and I was learning. There was no school, nobody teach you. Boxing was very, very close. But I went over there and I told the guy, or I asked the guy, I said, look, man, you did a good job. I'm learning to be a cut man. Can you tell me what you did? He looked at me and says, F you. He goes, I'm taking this to my grave, and you got to learn like me, and he walked away. That was the boxing mentality at that time. And, uh, you know, learning from that, I committed myself to teach and to teach guys how to take care of fighters because, uh, as I say, is you as a coach could ta teach Helen how to fight, but nobody teaches you how to take care of Helen. And that's, that's my commitment to, to the sport. And if ever I have a legacy, it's that I made this game a lot safer. What good is learning a new trade if you can't pay it forward? Exactly. That's it. Well, that was a mentality of boxing, you know, and, and even now you'll see the difference in, uh, like, the cutman in, in MMA, they've all followed the suit or the system that I have. It's, that's putting the wrist wrap on your here where you put the swabs instead of your mouth. Uh, you wear gloves. You know, you put the Vaseline here and you apply it, you know, like an artist. And uh, you see all uh, the MMA guys doing that. In boxing, I just saw the fights the other night. No gloves. The guy has a little swab in his mouth. Everything that, that was old school, because uh, there's no teachings. So these guys follow or see what these guys the guys do, and they try to mimic whether it's right or wrong. And, and let me add real quick on this, and I mentioned, and nobody's probably ever brought it up, but combat sports, we are at the A level. We are the only sport worldwide where we don't have to be certified to be considered professionals. You go to football, baseball, basketball, soccer, all these trainers – are certified through college or and all that, so uh, they have certifications. We don't. So anybody can technically be a cut man. Yeah, you can fifty dollars and put a towel over your shoulder, and you're a professional. Can you imagine what? the schmo being a guest cut man? <laughs> you Not a bad idea. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Not we just start that up. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could start something like that too. <laughs> but but when did you realize though that you were a brand? And you capitalize on that. Uh, well, you know, working with the UFC, uh, I had all these sponsors. I had Tap Out. I had uh, uh, One More Round. had Bad Boy. had Zions. You know, at that point, it, uh, and that's why I needed the UFC to, uh, to work because they were paying, for the most part, as we get paid in boxing, they were paying peanuts. But I needed the exposure with them to get paid from the sponsors. Uh, and uh, so... But at that point, yeah, it's, I don't know. You know, just, you know, movies started popping up. Uh, I, I first one I did was play to the bone with Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas. And, you know, I worked with my friend, the legendary Chuck Bodak. Uh, I did uh, Ocean's Eleven when Klitschko fought Lennox Lewis when they robbed the casino. And shortly after that, I started working with Vladimir Klitschko. He's the one that says, I want the guy that was my cut man in the movie. And I did Balboa when Rocky fought his last fight. I was a cut man with Antonio Tarver. And uh, I did uh, uh, Here Comes the Boom with Kevin, Kevin James, James yeah. Salma Hayek. Remind me to tell you a story on that one. 
And I did. Uh, well, right here. Creed, Creed yeah. one, Is this? Creed, Creed one and Creed two. All right. So I got stories with all of we them. We got right? time. So so with Kevin James, I'm doing a UFC. I think it's at the MGM here, and, and people want to take pictures. Well, this guy wants to take a picture of me, and I said, "Well, let's do one together." He goes, "No, no, no. I want a picture because Kevin James asked if you'd be interested in being in a movie." And my wife Charlotte's a big, big fan of Kevin James, and and of course I had to say yes, right? So I get the script, and and there's I have no lines. And if you know, if you get scripts in movies, uh, you get residuals, right? So I got to think. I say, wow, I got. How am I going to do this, right? So when it's time for me to do my scene with Kevin James, he, he was nice enough to say, "Stitch, come here. We got to have you say something." And I thought that was so nice of him. But I, I already thought about it. I said, "Well, here's what I tell the fighters: is welcome to the UFC." Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. So the the time comes. They, you know, the bell rings. He's beat up. They call me in, and I'm working on him. Oh, Stitch. I, Big fan of yours. I can't believe you're working on me. God, what a week I'm having. So, boom, boom, I clean him up. And then right at the end, I go, bam, I slap him, bam. Well, welcome to the UFC. And I walk away. He didn't know I was going to slap him. Uh, and nobody knew, right? Uh, everybody started laughing. It was a one take. So that's part of the that's part of the movie. Impromptu, one take, Charlie. It's the <laughs> yeah, best way. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I do as a schmo. And it's funny. You mentioned Kevin James. or, or we I kind of led into it. We saw him a few few months ago in yeah. South Florida. He was training with Coach Henry Hoof at Sanford MMA, and he was doing some physical training with Phil DeRue. Uh, but he's getting ready to play Sean Payton in an upcoming uh, NFL movie. I didn't want to bug him. He yeah. seemed like such a nice guy. Super and, guy. and I didn't want to bug, uh, screw up the relationship with Coach Henry, uh, who was gracious <laughs> enough to give us the time to interview all the fighters there. But uh, he was working hard. Yeah. And it looked like he shed very some focused. pounds, too. He was very focused. Oh, no. Pays attention to the crowd. I'll tell you what, he was a great athlete, man. I got to give him credit. And, you know, just to see him perform physically, uh, got a lot of respect for him. How was Rocky uh, Sylvester Stallone? Hey, I tell you what, man, that was. Uh, how many guys you know have done three movies with Sly? Rocky, right? I did Balboa, Creed One, Creed Two, so I've been blessed. But let me add another story: is once again when I get the script, my name, <laughs> my name for Creed One and Creed Two, well, Creed One is Marcel, and I'm, I don't know anybody named Marcel, right? <laughs> so once again, I'm gonna figure that out. But when it was time for Rocky to introduce the team to Adonis. If you remember, we're in the gym. He says, oh, this is Stitch. He's the best cut man in Philadelphia. Bro, at this time, my heart was beating like, yes, you know, who is going to tell Rocky? No, it's not it. And then he ad-libbed another one, the one I liked, but he didn't use that one. But he said, oh, this is Stitch. He's so good as a cut man. He could have been a surgeon, right? But they used the original one. Anyway, the next day, I went and thanked him. I said, look, I really appreciate it. He says, no. He goes, it has to be authentic. Of course, he's a yeah. professional yeah, boxer. Yeah. This is what he knows, exactly. right? So it actually works in your favor. Yeah, big time. And even you mentioned to me last time I interviewed you that even Snoop Dogg, oh, yeah. right, went yeah. up to you. Yeah, it's uh, the last so awesome. trailer, right? And and God, I've, I, I'm so disappointed that we didn't get to do this last one uh, with uh, Theofima Lopez. But no, nah, nonetheless, uh, so I, I worked the, the trailer as a house cut man for them. And before the actual fight started, they had a couple, a guy from the Bloods and one from the Crips, and, and, and Snoop's program is uh, gloves up, guns down. So they kind of went at it before the commission because it was a sanction. Uh, so I worked with them, and after the fight, Snoop Dogg comes in the ring, and, ah, oh, Stitch, you're a legend, man, you're a legend. He gives me a hug and all that. And, but what made it even nicer is we're walking down the stairs, and he says, oh, gee, can I take a picture with you? And I look, I said, shit, he's talking about me. You know, so so we took a picture with me and, and Bosco and, uh, and and Snoop Dogg. So 
Davidson, the guy from uh, Saturday Night Live. Pete Davidson, oh, Pete yeah. Pete Davidson, same thing. He's, I'm in the back going to the, one of the dressing rooms, and he's ready to be interviewed. He's waiting right there, and he sees me walking. He tells me, wait, 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 Stitch, Stitch, you're a legend. Can I take a picture with you? You know, uh, So moments like that, yeah, kind of lets me know that there's other areas outside of combat sports that, uh, that recognize me. What do you think is the secret to creating a successful brand? Uh, exposure. Exposure, number one. You know, you, you can't create a brand unless people see it. And and uh, and how you present it is is also the big thing for people to remember how we can you know do that and uh, but the name Stitch has helped so much you know I think uh, people don't even know my real name I don't even know if you know my name Jacob oh yeah. I introduced you as Jacob Cicerone but but very few people do that's you know? true uh, which is fine and because you know when I was doing the last uh, top rank show over the weekend here uh, with Anui I was sitting out next to this one guy and. He says, what's your name? He goes, well, you know, it's Jacob Duran, but people call me Stitch, you know. And that's pretty much the way it is. Hey, Stitch, hey, Stitch. What's your real name? You know, so. Will you be at Teofimo's fight? I believe it got moved to August, right? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm the house cut man for uh, for Triller. You know, they, uh, uh, Peter Kahn that handles the fighters relationship and all that, uh, he brought me in, uh, Mike Basil and then Paul Querido as, as the house cut men. Uh, for these events but you know at this point I understand that it's to the point where God if Stitch is working the show it must be a pretty good show and uh, you know uh, yeah so I'll be there whether, whether I work with him or not that's a different story I know on this last one I think they were going to use uh, Miguel Diaz and uh, so you know we'll see you're with boxing you're with MMA you're also with BKFC bare knuckle when you look at those fighters not to, I'm just transitioning on to because we could talk for hours I'm on, on just you. little 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 things, but what are you noticing about the cuts and the damage from these people with literally bare knuckles on skin contact and how that differentiates from MMA gloves and boxing gloves? You know, first of all, I love it. You know, I, I, these guys are warriors and and cuts multiple. I know Jason I, when he fought when he fought Artem, right? I saw Jason yeah. two, oh shows, two shows, two shows. I saw him two show, shows later, and I'm I'm looking at Jason at the Knight photo. for everybody listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought he had. 10 cuts that I worked on and I said man he had 10 cuts he goes no I had 12 you know and uh, he somebody put a face of, of him and Chucky next to each other and they look like twins uh, but I tell you what it's uh, yeah, move over John Gruden this is the real Chucky yeah, right this, yeah, yeah literally the real one man and just the hard show that these guys have but you know once again you know a thing I like about Dave Fellman is he's a fighter type of promoter and uh, he, he brought me in you know when effort started uh, he brought me in to uh to, to be a, a house cut man. And uh, the first show was in Wyoming, and I went for one reason, just to see the safety factors of the game and then make a determination. But we all sat down with the Wyoming Commission, uh, and we went over the rules one by one, and me, Dan Margliotti, uh, other guys that were in the game, we made the adjustments. And one of the adjustments that I like, because cuts are inevitable, and, and if you don't freak out with cuts, uh, the blood and all that, then, you know, you could understand it. But they have a rule where, uh, let's say you get cut and you get all kinds of blood, where well, the referee could stop the fight during that time, bring him to me and the doctor, and I got 30 seconds to work on him as the doctor evaluates to see if he could continue. And and I think that's that's a good good rule for these guys. But, yeah, it's these guys, it's, it's fun. And then I don't have to wrap nobody's hands. Yeah. yeah, that that helps. And I noticed there's a lot more former UFC fighters signing with BKFC. Like, 
they have a what Paige and Rachel Osovich. I was going to get to yeah. that. They're yeah. about to fight. Yeah, I yeah. we're in a day now. You have two very attractive UFC former UFC fighters, very popular. They're fighting. I know you haven't really. You said you t maybe we said this before on camera, off camera before we started. I don't remember anymore. But you said you stopped doing the shows during the pandemic. Yes. Are you going to start back up now that things are ramping up? Are you going to do that fight, Paige Van Zandt well, and Rachel? You know, I, it, yeah, I, I saw uh, Dave Feldman at the last. Uh, or the Mayweather fight. Mayweather right? fight, yeah. And uh, and we talked. He goes, man, we want to get you back. I said, he goes, he says, he understood because uh, I let him know that I wasn't ready to travel. And uh, he asked if I was available for the July 26th show or 23rd, but I have uh, Tyson Fury. So uh, I realize it's the day before. Yeah, yeah. August, uh, hopefully I'll be back for that one. It's crazy so. how much is going on here in July and August. The the yeah. fight schedule. So, you know, also on the 24th, TJ Dillashaw's returning. After the two-year EPO suspension yeah. against uh, Corey, Corey Sanhagen, Sanhagen. that's going to be a great fight. And too. then Pacquiao, Pacquiao he's fighting no. Spence, which yes. I would think it's going to be his retirement fight, right? Well, uh, yeah, it should be. I mean, what is he, 42, 44 years old, something like that? Yeah, he's. Yeah. Uh, I think he's around 42. Yeah. yeah. Well, bless his heart, man. It's he's still a, a, a gladiator. I remember when he had his first fight in, it, at the MGM. I think he was like a 115 pounder, and and he knocked this guy out. I think he was South African or African. But everybody put him in as Roberto Duran, and one he had a beard. So, you know, they kind of pictured him as, as the new Roberto Duran type of guy. And, and look uh, at him now. And it's amazing. I still think that the fight went a little too late. The Mayweather Pacquiao fight in 2015, I always talk about it. It was a couple of years too late. And uh, obviously, unfortunately, he got knocked out Pacquiao before the fight. Yeah. You know, that's why you got to get these guys fighting at their best at the right time. Will we ever see Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford? I, I think so. You know, yeah, I, I, I think you have to. You know, that it's the type of thing where, uh, number one, it's funny you bring that up because they're two of the best in the world, no doubt. But how many people recognize him when they walk in the airport? Seriously, Errol Spence. How many people will recognize uh, Crawford? The, the average person doesn't know him, and you're talking about earlier about the marketing aspect right. of yeah. it. You know, and uh, so I think on the marketing aspect, outside of talent, they need to go out there and really kind of, you know, let the world know who Terrence Crawford is and who Earl Spence is. And that's on the job of what? The promoters, though? The promotions? Well, if you got a management team, isn't that your job? You know, just to, to sell your fighter? Well, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in boxing, as you know. Oh, God. Yeah, tell me about it's it. It's way too <laughs> yeah, many. Yeah, tell and, me about and that's why I have all the respect for, like, the UFC putting the best fighters fighting the best fighters. Because yeah. that's what, as a fight fan, as a purist, that's what you have to appreciate. The best guys fighting the best guys and the best gals fighting the best gals. Yeah, well, you know, in that situation with the UFC, it's, it's so much different because there's only one. Organization, One organization and right. they're all fighting for this organization where in boxing you have all these different organizations and promoters and uh sometimes you know it's it's everything's based on economics how do you fix it you don't it's it's as long as you have different promoters and different networks and different uh, associations it's not going to be done but is that why for example what we discussed earlier about the youtubers social media era and them breaking into boxing the way they are is this the new norm Good segue into the YouTubers. I, I think so. You know, I, I, I like it. You know, I mean, it, for me, they're fun to work. Number one, plus they play good money. And, uh, but, but, you know, it's funny, like with KSI, when I worked with KSI, uh, he trained here in Las Vegas, you know, and uh, Amir Abdallah called me and asked if I'd be the cut man. And I knew this much about KSI. So he comes into the gym and we spend six weeks together. Uh, but I told him, I said, look, man, you know, like I did Michael B. Jordan. He said, you're not, 
you're not a, a, a YouTube guy. I don't know what you do, but here you're a fighter. So every day when I wrapped his hands, I always try to brief him on what to expect, what you have to do, the heart and soul, you know, and uh, and all that. So I, I try to do that and educate them and turn them into uh, fighters, and they did, you know. But but that new generation is the team. There were seven of us. We flew from here to L.A. in a private jet. First time I've ever been in a private jet. But that ain't nothing. It took and a YouTuber, <laughs> not a, not not Klitschko, yeah, but it took KSI yeah, yeah, to get you to private yeah, jet. Yeah. Well, not only that, but hold on, we go and we stay in the hotel by Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, and I get into my room, and my pillowcases have my initials embroidered, not stamped, embroidered. To you the, take them with you? Well, to the point where Mr. Naive here, I go and I ask the concierge, I said, well, you know, what what <laughs> happens with the pillowcases? Well, you know, uh, Mr. Duran, we have storage. In case you come back, you could always use them, or you could take it home with you. So I said, well, I'm taking it home, because I doubt very much I'll be here, right? That's awesome. So that's the new generation. You know, that's the new mod uh, of boxing, and you know, one thing I got to give Jake Paul credit for is that he's bringing up the issue that everybody has been wanting to bring up on the UFC fighters not getting paid. YouTubers, uh, the Paul brothers in particular, it's like I we are fond of what they are doing because in a way they're a disruption, right? They're a disruption in the combat sports space. They're disrupting talking about fighter pay. They're disrupting being a draw and getting eyeballs. In a way, the schmo was created to be a disruption in sports media and broadcasting uh, because there's the status quo. It's the same way these these large entities, the major organizations, they have been having it the same cookie-cutter way for decades since really sports have been televised. And what Hell and I are doing are trying to make that disruption, disruptive model and be like, look, in this day and age, the Internet's the wild, wild west. It's 2021. You can go out and create yourself. You can be, you can maintain integrity, and you can go out and find a way to do it yourself. And just like you did, creating your brand, Stitch Duran, what Helen's done with Helen E Sports, and I have done as the Schmo, what the Paul brothers are doing in combat sports. I think there's synergy around this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And look, some parts are a circus show. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day. It's improving the sport. It's getting more eyeballs to it in that sense. And it's also shedding light to some real issues that have gone on since the inception of things beginning. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree 100%, 100%. Well, it's one of the first things that I asked you, hey, man, where are your glasses at? <laughs> right? So that is you, right? People recognize you. I recognize you for that. So you've created that Joe Schmo. That <laughs> is you. Ain't nobody could, could wear those type of glasses and, and try to be you, right? So, True. Yeah, everything is marketing 101. And he actually has his own schmo glasses now. Yeah, I started doing the schmo glasses line. So by the like way, if you're listening or watching, <laughs> we'll supply the link. I have my schmo glasses. They're always on that first link in my Instagram, but I had to start selling those too. And one of the first things I did when I created this brand while still working in corporate America is I trademarked it. The yeah. first thing I did was trademark the schmo. Yeah, yeah, it was trademarked. It's just trademarked. It's what you have to do. Sure. Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze. Okay, I'm okay now. But do you think that in the future we'll see more of this because of social media and like what David said and what we're all kind of doing along with the Paul Brothers, just like creating your own brands that we'll see more and more people feel like, you know what, I don't need to work in a, quote, corporate type of job. I could try to create my own brand. Eh, it's not that easy. You know? I was yeah, going to say, true. you can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. make it sound but, like it's but, easy no, here. No, I'm saying like a lot more people will try or attempt that. Well, you have to be in a certain position to actually sure. go beyond what what your expectations are, right? Anybody's expectations. You have to be different than everybody else. And how are you going to do that? That is true. The yeah, only and like like cut man. Everybody wants to be a cut person, cut man. You know, I, I got a 
I was at the fights and this lady says, can I, can I be your, your, can you be my mentor? I said, no, it don't work that way. You know, I get, I mean, all the time as because they see what I do. And I said, look, you got to spend hours and days and weeks and months in the gym working with fighters, understanding the fighters and all that before you spring out and do something else. And uh, same thing with what you guys do. As a, everybody's a journalist. In your position, everybody's a journalist. 100%. But what makes you different, you know? There is so much risk involved in going on your own, and there's so much investment. You have yeah. to invest in yourself, and you have to be willing to spend money to make money. You know, pay to be in a position to do it. And so many people think they're willing to go out and try it, but you have to swim in the muck. You have to suffer and go through the dog days to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I've always said, if you do it for the money, you do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, sure. Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons play you have to have a passion for what you do and then you get better and better and people realize that and i think also to add to what david said a lot of people also think that everything is an overnight success oh. or like what you did april 2019 yeah, and so then they thought you started the schmo like the day before or something. right so i guess like because i was i was doing this for years but how i was I blew up was in April of 2019 at the UFC 236 press conference when I finally for the first time asked a question and it was to Dana and I got this crazy reaction because I asked him about making the 165 pound weight division which I know for a lot of fight fans that was like a predominant question on their minds it's like well, we have all these divisions like why not make increments of 10 you know you have this huge gap at 155 to 170 why not do a 155 65 make welterweight 175 85 95 and kind of said in a very schmo way and it blew up but then people started searching me and it's like all the years I put into hard work and even before I created the schmo character and brand in 2015 um, you know there's a lot of years so it's like I made up for lost time but you have to be patient and be willing to make the sacrifices to, to reap the benefits and, and know when that moment comes that you say God people are recognizing me yeah yeah so yeah yeah. It's, it is what it is. Uh, well, Stitch, you are the man. Uh, what would you like to tell our audience or leave? Is anything that you can promote? I know we, you your talked about your documentary. Your documentary. Yeah. We talked about the, the big meeting tomorrow, but feel free. Yeah, well, there's, yeah outside of the, of the documentary, uh, I wrote a book, actually a couple of books called From the Fields to the Garden. Growing up as a farm worker with the fields, my goal was to make it to Madison Square Garden. Became a top seller at Amazon.com, by the way. Uh, but I was contacted by, by our production uh, team, uh, Gerald Roxburgh and Danny Acosta, the director, about doing a documentary. And I'm the kind of guy, if you want to do it, let's do it. You know, just like the book. Uh, I there's, During the time when Chuck Liddell and Matt Hughes and Randy Couture, Forrest Gritt, they were all having books written on them. And uh, I had a couple people that said they were interested in writing books on me, and uh, they never came through, right? Uh, but Zach Robinson, from he's a teacher that teaches the kids, military kids in Germany, contacted me and, and asked the same thing. And just turns out I was going to be in Germany two weeks later working with Klitschko. And we met, and he was a baseball player. I was a baseball player. He's from Oklahoma. You know, we shook hands, wrote a book, became a top seller. Uh, but same thing with these guys. So I signed with them, and then I found out that Triple G is fighting, of all places, the Garden, which is the finale of the documentary. So they readjusted their budget and, and all that, and they went to New York and uh, Triple G and the Garden, and uh, they gave us all access to these guys filming. So we got great footage of me being at the Garden, New York and all that. So uh, we just talked to them yesterday, honey, 
And uh, now we're starting to go again. Uh, Anderson Silva, uh, uh, Andre Ward, Cain Velasquez, uh, Triple G, I think Mike Tyson, these are the guys we have listed to be interviewed. And, and we're talking about going back to my hometown uh, sometime soon, uh, within the next month, and film me being back in the fields and the canals where we used to swim and friends I grew up with in a migrant camp. And so we're putting all this together now to finalize uh, the documentary. Uh, so that's coming along, and uh, I'm real stoked on that. And uh, you're talking about uh, fusing a CBD company. I'm, I, I met the guys in, in Bare Knuckle Fighting, good guys. Uh, but I'm also working with another CBD company that created a cream for cuts. And when they contacted me, Jay Tim, uh, I asked him like everything else, you know, CBD has everything. There's everything in CBD. But actually, what proof source do you have? He said, well, that's why we contacted you. So Jay Tim was going with me to the bare knuckle fights. And like I say, all these guys get cut and they sew them up in the dressing room. So Jay would go and, and take a picture of them uh, right after they got sewn up, give them the cream, and then they would send a picture back a week later, and the results have been tremendous. So it's called the Cut Cream. That's at cbdinit.com, uh, and uh, that's available right now, and it works, you know, so that's why I teamed up with them. Uh, yeah, I have my own line, uh, Stitch uh, Premium Athletic Tape and, and the K.O. Swell. Uh, my wife, Charlotte, is the one that named it the K.O. Swell. All the other ones are, are, are N-Swells, Well, mine's a K.O. Swell and it eliminates the, the, the swelling. But that's available at uh, cutmanforhiresupplies.com. Uh, so hustling, brother. Trying Excellent. to make the best out of it. But knock out that swelling. Yeah, knock out that swelling. And shout out to your wife, Charlotte. Sat in this whole podcast room right here. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Charlotte. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I got to, everything is for the family because, you know, making a sacrifice when we moved from uh, Fairfield over here, I took a major cut in pay with R.J. Reynolds to come here. But, you know, my wife, my family, they all supported me. And, uh, you know, it's, it was that unity that kept us going. And, you know, now we're trying to make the best of, of, of our retirement. Not that I'm retiring. <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> Just me, me and Mama being here. thought we were going to break uh, some news here yeah, for yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, but no, okay. No, because, you know, we were going to go to Miami. She was going to go with me to Miami uh, for this last trailer. And uh, I had a, a friend that had an apartment in the 50th floor of this building overlooking the ocean. And I was going to stay there three additional days. And he was going to let us stay there. And then this got scratched. So, yeah, we're going to be, you know, enjoying life a little bit more. So, yeah, got to love her for, you know, uh, believing in me and and sticking with me through thick and thin fantastic well we really appreciate you being here two quick shout outs i have to say happy 40th birthday to misty mayor uh lapis open spa thanks for the great t-shirt tommy amazing massage therapist here in henderson nevada check him out he's awesome and also uh the schmo hour i'm, ha I'm having a schmo hour july 9th from 5 to 6 30 right after usc ceremonial weigh-ins i'm going to do a, a meet and greet at the hard rock you are of course more than welcome to come open bar check it out i'll provide a link for tickets but uh stitch you are the man at the virgin hotel uh, actually, it's the Hard Rock Cafe, so oh, they're okay, standalone gotcha. right there walking on this strip. Oh. I know, I, I got to differentiate because there's the new yes. version hotel. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, we got to check it out, too, because I know they're doing some fights there. Yes, yes, I'll be there Saturday uh, working those fights. And, and once again, you know, Top Rank brought us in as, as house cutmen uh, for during this pandemic. So uh, I think this is our last show, and then my next one with them will be Tyson Fury. So uh, We'll yeah. be there. So it's been it's big been, summer it, ahead. Big summer yeah, ahead. It's a big summer ahead. I'm looking forward to it. We appreciate you coming on, Jacob Stitch Duran. Episode 67. <laughs>
jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.